Storehouse Dallas. We are in Hebrews 8, and um, really excited about that. I, I, I know that, that this has been kind of meaty, you know, some of what we've been covering, like last week, the Melchizedek priesthood, and, and just really getting into some, some deep revelation. And so um, I just want to, um, I just, Lord, I just ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. And I, and I ask, Father, that you would open our minds to receive the fullness of all that you have for us. In Jesus' name. And so this morning, we're going to start, and I'm going to read out of the uh, New King James Version, which I love. Um, I kind of vacillate between this and the NIV, but... Um, I'm going to start in chapter 7. Um, we were doing chapter 7 last week, but we didn't really finish, and so I want to start where I left off. Um, so I'm going to start in chapter 7, verse 16, and I'm going to read through chapter 8, verse 13. So strap on your seatbelts. Hallelujah. You know, when you're, when you're faced with stuff like this, you're like, boy, I hope I'm a good reader. You know, don't you feel like you're in third grade class when the teacher calls on you and she says, you know, Johnny, can you read blah, 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 blah? And you're like, uh, out loud. All right. All right. Let's see. We're going to start in verse 16. Um, okay. He's talking about uh, Jesus uh, who has come, not according to the law of a fleshly commandment, but according to the power of an endless life or the power of the Holy Spirit. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. For on one hand, there is an annulling of the former commandment because of its weakness and unprofitableness. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And inasmuch as he was not made priest without an oath, for they have become priests with it without an oath, but he with an oath by him who said to him, the Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. By so much more, Jesus has become a surety of a better covenant also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins, then for the people's. For this he did once for all when he offered up himself. For the law appoints as high priests men who have weaknesses, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been perfected forever. Now this is the main point of the things which we are saying. 
We have such a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that this one also has something to offer. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. But, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry, Inasmuch, he is also mediator of a better covenant, which was established on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the, in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they did not continue in my covenant, and I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write, them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brothers, says, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. In that, he says, the new covenant, he he, a new covenant, he has made the first obsolete. Now what is be, becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Thank you, Lord. We just praise you. So this morning, the Lord in chapter, in the end of chapter seven and in chapter eight, he's talking about a couple of things and he's introducing the greatness of a new priesthood. The greatness of this Melchizedek priesthood and the hierarchy that it has over the priesthood of the Old Testament or the Old Covenant. And he's also introducing the greatness of the New Covenant and its hierarchy and its, um, and, and its um, um, uh, more excellent way than the old covenant. And so I want to review this and I want to go a little bit today, line upon line, because I think it's important. And so first we're going to talk about the new high priest and he, he covers he, six things where he acknowledges that these six things are the reasons why this new priesthood is better than the old priesthood. So in chapter 7, verse 19, he says this, For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there 
is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. And so he had, uh, we had talked about last week the perfection of the Melchizedek priesthood. And he said that, that really, and this is the heart of all of Hebrews, is the perfection of this priesthood um, is perfect, whereas the priesthood of the Old Testament was not perfect. And so he talks about that, and he said one of the reasons why this is so much better than the former is because he has gone before us so we can enter in behind the veil through which now we can come near to God. Whereas in the Old Testament or in the Old Covenant, in the Old Priesthood, it was the priest that would go enter in behind the veil and then he would then tell all of the people what God said. But now we can approach God boldly. We can come to him boldly and approach his throne of grace, and we can come near to his presence every day, all day long. There's never any limitation on us. So therefore, he is a better priest. Uh, Verse 21. For they have become priests without an oath, But he, with an oath by him who said, the Lord has sworn and will not relent, you are a priest forever, according to Melchizedek. So he is uh, a better priest than the former because God has made an oath. Now, when God makes an oath, he is the highest voice in all of the universe. And when God swears by something, what he's done is he has recognized that this is the greatest, the highest, and the most excellent priesthood because God gave an oath by his own name. And so we can be secure in knowing that this high priest is the greatest of all high priests. Uh, Verse 24 and 25. But he, because he continues forever, has an unchangeable priesthood. Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives forever to make intercession. He is a high priest that is better than the former because he lives forever. Therefore, he is able to save all of us who come through this priesthood because he makes continual intercession. So it's not like, uh, you know, when, you're, when you've got a, 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 a priest in the order of the old covenant, what happens is that when that priest dies, you have to start over with a new priest. Well, this new priest doesn't know you. And so this new priest is going to be making intercession for you in the old covenant, but he doesn't even know who you are. He doesn't know your story. He doesn't know your family. He doesn't know the things that you're struggling with. And so you have to come over and you've got to like start from scratch. But it says, but no, but this is a priest who lives forever. This is a high priest that actually created you who knows your story from the beginning to the end. And so, therefore, he's fully qualified to make intercession for you. Hallelujah. This is really good news. Uh, Verse 26. For such a high priest was fitting for us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and has become higher than the heavens. This is a priest who is better than the former because he is holy and sinless. He doesn't have to, he doesn't have to, to um, um, intercede or, or even cover himself for his own sins because he's a sinless, he's spotless. He's the spotless lamb. 
And so he is pure and undefiled. Um, Verse 27, um, who does not need daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifices first for his own sins, but for the people's, for this he did once and for all he offered up himself. He is a, number five, he's a high priest, which is better than the former because his sacrifice is not daily, but once and for all and for all eternity. This is the lamb of God who's, who is perfect. He's a perfect lamb, but, but he's also divine. He is also God. And so when he came to lift us up, he did so as the word of God. And so he's the high priest who is also the word of God. And so when he, and, and, and in John 1.14, it says that Jesus is the word of God that was made flesh. And so when that flesh fell and when that flesh was crucified, and that was the flesh that was sacrificed for us once and for all, what happens is that it's the word, it's the same as, um, it's a word that becomes a word for all eternity on our behalf. Now, in the garden, I want you to know that with Adam and Eve, it was the word that fell. It was them that, that, that disagreed with the word of God, and the word was broken before the actions were taken. Do you understand that? So the word was broken before the actions were taken by Eve. Therefore, it was the word that... Um, that had to be redeemed. Adam and Eve, um, they were convinced first with words and that led to the actions of, of betrayal and broken. And I love what, um, what Jamie Galloway said on Thursday night when he came and he said, you know, when God was in the garden and he said, where are you? He wasn't actually looking for them on the earth, but he turned to them in heaven, and he said, where are you? He looked, and they were no longer in the heavenly places with him. And so because there was, they didn't agree with the word, they had lost their place in the heavenly realms. That, to me, was one of the most profound things I've ever heard. And so we have a high priest who is also the word of God. And the word So in order to redeem us back to our heavenly places, the word had to be sacrificed in order to trump the word of the enemy. Now, remember in Genesis 3.15, it says that there is enmity between the two seeds, that he shall bruise your head, but you will bruise his heel. And so meaning his word is going to trump over the mind and over the lofty words of the enemy that will try to influence us. Um. So the blood of Jesus is speaking, and so this sacrifice actually has a voice. This, this, this sacrifice has a sound. And when it says that the blood of Jesus speaks in Hebrews, this is uh, further along in like Hebrews 11, it says that the blood of Jesus is speaking. This blood was sacrificed for our sins, and it's once and for all because what it does is it is the blood is speaking. Therefore, all of the words that have gone within us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, every single word that comes from us now has power and authority to take dominion in the earth. 
This is the very best news. This is a high priest that now has not only enabled us to enter into the veil to receive the words of life for ourselves, but because of him, our word trumps the words of the enemy spoken over us. And we can be assured that these words that are spoken that come from the heart of God, we can be assured that these words are truth and that every word that comes from Satan is a lie and our words will trump his words. Verse um, 28. For the law appoints as a high priest men who have weakness, but the word of the oath which came after the law appoints the son who has been made perfected forever. So he is a better high priest than the former because he is a son and not just a servant. And see, we are part of this family. So he goes as a son. And so as a high priest, he's a relative. He is in the family of God. He is the beautiful son of God. He is the forerunner, the number one son that came to bring the family of God back together again so that our high priest is now our relative. This is really good news because we've been grafted into a priesthood and a lineage and an inheritance. And so we've been grafted now into the tribe of Judah. Listen to this. We've been grafted into the tribe of Judah. Because he said that this is the tribe that he is of, and this is now the tribe, if he's of it, now he's made a way for us to be a part of that. He's from the tribe of Judah. He's from the tribe of kings. What does that do? That means that not only are we priests of the most high God, but we are now also kings. Amen? So as we are grafted into the tribe of Judah... And he's made us into priests and kings in the order of Melchizedek. We have also become the perfected ones, the Christ men and the Christ women who rule on the earth. And so that really brings us now to the new covenant. And why the new covenant is a better covenant than the old covenant. Let's start in verse 4. For if he were on the earth, he would not be a priest since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and the shadow of the heavenly things as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle. For he said, see that you make all things according to the pattern shown to you on the mountain. And um, this, this new covenant is so much greater than the old covenant because he said that the old priesthood just served a copy of what is in heaven. He served a copy and a pattern of what was in heaven. And that's what they did for 2,000 years. Is, is Moses said, I, I want you to see it, and now they're going to serve a copy. But we no longer serve a copy, but we serve the original. We no longer serve a pattern, but we serve the original. The, the high priest, Jesus, who is alive now making intercession for us. Right now, this minute, forever, every minute of the day, this high priest lives within us and he makes intercession for us. So it's no longer a shadow, but it's the real thing. 
We are living a reality TV show with Jesus living on the inside of us. This covenant is better than, I want to talk to you a minute for about just a covenant. You know, a, the, a, the interesting thing about a covenant is a covenant is an agreement. But we, but we oftentimes think of agreements in terms of contracts. And so there's, there's a difference between a covenant and a contract. And both of them involve two parties. But, but, but the way that the two of them are officiated are different. And I want to talk about that. A contract says, if I do this, then you do that. If I do something, then you're going to do something. A contract has terms and conditions and is between two people who are in a position to bargain. But when you come into a covenant, it's an agreement entered into by only one of the two parties. One side states the terms and conditions and the other side agrees to those terms and conditions. It is a unilateral agreement. You see, God defines the terms and offers the terms. There's really no bargaining. And we have, because no, we have nothing to offer. What can you offer the God of the universe who has everything? But he's saying to you, I'm going to offer this to you. I am going to do all of this for you. Will you come into covenant with me? And it is the most beautiful thing. A contract can be broken if the terms are not met by either party. But God offers a covenant where he defines the terms. And he says, if you're willing to accept these blessings, then you will be blessed. But if you reject that, then there is going to be a price to be paid. But he said, if you will come along with me, then I will help you. I will encourage you. I will increase you. I will multiply you, and I'll take care of you. The new covenant replaces a faulty covenant where the ordinances of the faith were exercised daily by the priests, sacrificings and offering, but it was only a shadow. The old covenant was made with the tribe of the house of Levi, but this new covenant is made with the house of Judah, which David, King David, uh, Jesus sits on King David's throne forever and ever and ever, and this, old, this new covenant lasts forever. So I want you to think of a covenant in terms of like marriage. For those of you who are newly wed or those of you who are about to be wed or those of you who have been married a long time, you know that the ring is a sign of the covenant and it's a circle. And so it's, it's where two become one and there's actually no end and no beginning. And so there's just a follow through and a flowing from one to the other. And I want you to read here in verse 10 because he talks about this covenant in this kind of um, ways where, where we become one with him. In verse 10, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And, um, and so what he does is he is he says, I'm, I'm now going to take my word because 
the the word law there means several means several things, which to me is just incredible because he said, I'm now by the power of my Holy Spirit going to go within you. I'm going to come and I'm going to live on the inside of you, which is so phenomenal to me. And to me, it's the greatest supernatural, um, uh, miraculous sign of all of eternity is that there's a God that would come and, and, and make his home within me. And so what he said about the law, he said this, that the law is, is number one, a moral instruction given by Christ, especially in the precept concerning love. Number two, the law demands faith. Number three, the law is a command. Number four, the law is the Mosaic law or the, um, the Mosaic law, the, the Ten Commandments. Um, number five, it's the revelation of Jesus. And number six, it's the word of God. And so these things have become one. We have become one with Christ, we've become one with the word. And as we live in this word, we, we, we live out of the heavenly places. And nobody explained this to me when I first got saved. You know, I didn't understand about Christ in me, the hope of glory. I didn't understand about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I thought Christianity was a list of rules, of things to do and not to do. And so I rejected it because I thought, well, that doesn't sound like any fun. I mean, I was too busy drinking and partying and having a good time. And, and I thought, I want all that life has to offer. Why would I want to shackle myself with a bunch of laws? But he said, no, this is the law of love that goes within. And, but I didn't know that. And thank God the Holy Spirit came to get me because it was never, it was never communicated to me the truth of, of, of who he was. And so when he came to live on the inside of me, the word says that he's my helper, he's my counselor, he's my teacher, he's my provider, did I miss anything? Because I know there's a lot more. He's, he's my um, comforter. And, and so everywhere I go, I mean, I just, Jesus wears a Tracy suit, you know, and he's there with me day and night, night and day, bringing the law of love that, that, that usurps the law of sin and death. And, and living my life by rules. And so when I, after I, I got born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, it was really interesting because the things that I used to desire, like sin and um, debauchery and, you know, things that used to give me pleasure in the world, it was weird. It was like it no longer had any desire or draw. I didn't, you know, I would go to an R-rated movie and I'd be like, I am so offended by this movie. And, and it wasn't because somebody said, don't go see an R-rated movie. But it was because the Holy Spirit was looking through my eyes 
And I didn't even like try to be good, but he helped me be good, you know? And it was, it was so refreshing. And so the more that I began to live this kind of life, I found that the more that I loved righteousness and, and the goodness of God, because the words, Jesus said that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. He also said that it's not what goes into the mouth that defiles us, but it's what comes out of our mouth that defiles us. And so when the word went within us, the new law went within us, then it now can come out of us and it can help us live our lives. Because the thing about the covenant is that what you sow, you will reap. And it's a circle. It's a circle. It goes around and around and around and around and around. I sow, I reap, I sow, I reap, I sow, I reap. It is the covenant of the, of the blood of Jesus and the word of God that as I sow, I will reap. Sometimes it's really amazing stuff. And I just see the, the supernatural power of the word of God. And then sometimes it's not. And I want to speak about marriage for a minute because marriage is covenant, right? And the power of our words in covenant because two can set 10,000 to flight. And, you know, sometimes in a marriage, um, husbands or wives may lack things. And we begin to think of marriage in terms of a contract. If you do this for me, then I'll be happy. If you would just do this for me, I'll be happy. And, um, but the truth is, is that it's a covenant and God put you together to help you help that person do things so that you can be happy. Can I get an amen? So sometimes when our spouse, husband or wife is like not doing things that we want them to do so that we could be happy, uh, what we'll do is we will say, here are all the things that you're not doing. And you'll begin to just tear them down and break them down. Well, the power of covenant is that the words that you're speaking are actually creating the very thing that you're saying to them. Uh, but if we can rein in that our emotions and begin to say, God, why don't you show me my um, husband or my wife? Show me who they are. Show me what you have for them. And you get the word of God. Because remember, he is on the inside of us. He lives on the inside of us. And what he's done is he knows. He put us together so that we could set 10,000 to flight. And so he's saying, here's what I want you to say. And you're like, yeah, yeah, they're nowhere near what you're saying. Let me just tell you right now. They're like at ground bottom floor and you're talking about rooftop and the Lord's like yeah but if you say these things you can get them there because it's a circle it's a cycle you're sowing and you're reaping and you're sowing and you're reaping and he said if you will believe the words that I'm speaking 
that the husband or the wife that you married will become exactly what you desire and who I created them to be. And so um, I just want to encourage you in that. Um, I don't know why I went there. It wasn't in my notes, but I think somebody either online or here needed to hear it. But I want you to, I want to tell you this. I want you to think about the most intelligent, successful person on the earth that you can think about. Like, who would that be? I know Asa's looking at Mallory. <laughs> but, I mean, if you, if you could think about who is the most intelligent person in the world, right? And if you could spend time with them, what would you do when you were with them? Would you be on your smartphone? Would you be checking Facebook? But we have the God of the, all the universe, the whole universe, created heaven and earth and all that's in it. And the beauty is, is that he's our great high priest who came to bring us into a new covenant, the new covenant so that we can enter in and we have access to heavenly places and the word of God. And so that word of God who knows what he has destined for us, he's written our stories and he's saying, listen, I have something to say about the situation that you're in. I want to give you my perspective and I want to be your helper I want to counsel you. I want to teach you about my ways. I want to comfort you when you mourn. I have everything that you need to lift you out of the places that you're in and to give you great success, wait, more than you can hope or imagine. So if we know that guy, don't you think it would be wisdom for us to listen to him? And to say, wait a minute, I've been running around trying to make myself successful. And I've been trying to do things in my own strength, and I'm exhausted. And nothing in my life is really working out. And the Lord keeps saying to you, try me. Try prayer. Try hearing my voice, because I really want to help you. I really want to help you to be successful. Amen? So in Christ, we have a more excellent high priest that makes intercession for us and makes us priests and kings to God through a more excellent new covenant. And so uh, why don't we stand, and I'll pray. And um, next week, we get to do the house. We get to do the house, chapter 9. The house, it's going to be so good. How many of you are builders? If you're builders, you're going to love next week. So, Holy Spirit, I just ask today that you would, um, that you, uh, would show us who you are as our most excellent high priest.
Father, I pray that we could get a revelation of the beauty of who you, you are and that we would be so thankful for everything that you've done for us. I thank you, Father, for the new priesthood, God. I thank you, Father, that as a new priest and a high priest, you have now made us priests and kings to God. I thank you, Father, for the new covenant that we can walk in freedom, listening to the sound of your voice and responding as we hear. And so I just bless you as you go out today. I bless you at your work. I bless you in your money. I bless you in your relationships. I bless you in your health. In Jesus' name, Amen. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.